Suddenly somebody will say like plate or shrimp or plate of shrimp out of the blue. No explanation, no point. Look at one. It's all part of the cosmic Flicksters, and welcome back to the Cult Film Companion Podcast. My name is Chris. I am your host, joined as ever with my co-host extraordinaire, Andrew. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon and good evening. Yes, both. Yes. <laughs> or good morning if you're listening to us in the morning with your cup of coffee. <laughs> uh, before we get into our movie of the week, I just want to remind everyone that the Cult Film Companion Podcast is now available on all major podcast platforms. Please follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at the same handle, Cult Film Comp, C-O-L-T-F-I-L-M-C-O-M-P. And please check out the Blind Knowledge Creative Collective at www.blindknowledge.com, which is a great website to check out videocasts and podcasts from around the world that cover interesting, unique topics in an entertaining and informative manner. We are also a featured podcast on Newsly. Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android that captures the latest trending articles based on topics that you choose to follow and then reads them to you in a natural human voice. Stop scrolling, start listening. Download and use Newsly for free today at www.newsly.me. And please use the promo code C-O-L-T-F-1-L-M. That's cult film, drop the I. Pop in a one and enjoy a month free of Newsly, courtesy of us. And now, with all that hot dogging and grandstanding out of the way, let's talk a movie that was hugely influential, bombed at the box office upon initial release, was discovered by some of your favorite directors, and later truly got the appreciation that it deserved. We are, of course, talking about Carnival of Souls. That was released September twenty sixth, nineteen sixty two. Oh wow! Close to close to now, right? Uh, all those years ago. What would that be? 40, 40 50, 60. 60, 60, About exactly sixty years ago. Yeah. Okay. And it was released, you know, to tie in with Halloween. You know, they try to release horror movies around that time, but the studios do. Right, right, right. Um, and it was released probably in those like strip malls, you know, that ran. Things like, you know, Night of the Living Dead and, and whatnot, uh, right? And you were saying that it didn't appeal to those audiences. It wasn't enough of a Monster Mash type of movie. Well, I, I the thing is with um, movies around that time, we were talking, yeah, we were talking a lot of uh, sci-fi mutant animals or ah, yes. aliens or monsters. That was the big the big draw for horror movies. And here and, we've got something that's very plot oriented actually and character oriented. Right. It's um a very psychological movie and um I it, here's the thing with Carnival of Souls that uh we should probably say about more of the movies that we cover. If you have not seen it, I can't recommend seeing this movie because we have to talk about everything from the beginning to the end and it's well worth your time if you're looking for something different this halloween season or any 
any time of year, something different, horror orientated. Carnival Souls, make sure it's not the '98 remake. Um, right. Make sure you're you're watching the original, black um, and white. Um, brilliantly shot in black and white. Yes, and it, right, and this really is a bona fide cult movie. Some of the movies that we do are kind of on the cusp of being a, a you know a, a legitimate cult movie for lack of a better term but this really is it did bomb and it was forgotten and not known even though it was influential for many directors uh it didn't get really known by audiences until the 80s i think right the yeah. 80s um the popularity was brought back and it was a huge influence on uh two notable filmmakers it, it was a huge influence on david lynch which you can see Especially an eraser head being yeah. shot in black and white. The and, imagery, absolutely. And, and uh, if you if you watch Carnival of Souls and then you watch Lost Highway, you can see where um, the pale face, black hair, black lips. Very, very much uh, the same character. Right. Yeah, very similar. And um, George Romero was also a huge fan of the movie. So He I, said it, it inspired Night of the Living Dead. I can see that. Yeah. And... For those of you, um, so now uh, we're going to enter spoiler territory r right away because the movie enter the movie starts with um, two cars that are uh, drag racing, and we're introduced to Mary Henry, who is the the lead here, and um, I hesitate to say protagonist. She's definitely not the antagonist, and we'll get into why I just say lead here um, with my theory about the movie, but. One of the cars that's drag racing goes off the goes off a bridge, and initially the car is not found, and the only survivor is Mary Henry. Right. She and comes. She comes crawling out of the the swamp water basically, and uh, and starts. She resumes her life. Yeah. Very very quickly. She was within a, within a week. She's moved to another town and yeah started a new life. She's got a job. She's a. a professional organist and she gets a job as a church church organist and moves to utah right and she proclaims that you know she's not very religious she's not religious and that religion is just a business for her which is interesting i've never heard that before by anybody right yeah we're, we'll get into that whole thing because that's that's something that needs to be talked about i want to hear why you don't think she's the protagonist or a protagonist uh, well, let's you just finish up the plot. Okay, sorry. Um, so she moves to Utah, and she's haunted by these uh, this figure of a man, and he shows up in her car window. He shows up, you know, she and she seems drawn to this this basically rundown carnival in this new town that she's moved to, and she sees she seems she thinks initially it's somebody following her, and. Also, she has these spells throughout the day where seemingly people, she becomes a ghost almost. People can't see her or hear her for brief parts of the, the day. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, with some birds chirping, she's kind of brought back to life, so to speak, mm -hmm. in a way. And um, The birds are interesting. It's almost like um, birds, you know, represent freedom and flying away and... So that might ha have something to do with why it's the birds that she hears that brings her back into this world. Right. And so after um, 
a couple days, she loses her job, she loses her potential love interest, she basically loses her mind yep. and decides to flee this town. She loses her housing, too. But, yes. Yeah. And... She gets kicked out. So she... And, um... It turns out this whole time that she's dead. Or so it seems. Or so it seems. So the ending of the movie shows the car from the beginning and getting dragged out of the the water and everybody in the car has passed away, including her. That's the way the movie ends. So... It's like a Sixth Sense type of... If you've seen The Sixth Sense, you could see where M. Night Shyamalan... I mean, so, uh, the surprise, surprise, she's dead the whole time kind of thing. Shyamalan got a lot of credit for that. I guess it was, uh, it was done first. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an, it's, it, it, one of the original taglines was, she escaped death, now it wants her back. So that implies that she did live... And that by the end, she was taken back to, you know, death. I mean, I don't know. So, yes, this, and let's um, talk some of the technical aspects. This movie was produced and directed by Herc Harvey, who is a name that you've probably never heard before, um, unless you've seen Carnival of Souls, in which case, because this was Herc Harvey's only feature-length film. He had his start in educational and industrial filmmaking, and a story from uh, John Clifford, and he worked on the script with Herc Harvey, and it was produced for $33,000, re- released in the fall of 62, and as far as gross box office, that wasn't something that was popular at the time, keeping track, either the money, either the movie was a success and the movie made a lot of money and the, you know, they would flaunt it in variety and this was not one of those cases. Those two still work together though, afterwards, on project after project, usually shorts. Right. But he would write and uh, and the other would direct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they unsuccessfully tried to develop uh, some, some projects later on. Uh, Herc Harvey would finally get some of the credit he deserved. He died, I believe, in 89 or the early 90s and was able to see the resurgence of popularity of Carnival of Souls, and now it is regarded as a a, a horror classic, yep. and it, it rightfully so. So if you're looking for a slasher movie, this isn't it. If you're looking, even if you're looking for a ghost movie, I'm not even sure this is a, a ghost movie. It's like we were talking, it's kind of like, an 80 minute episode of the twilight zone it is and it and it reminded me of uh, a couple twilight zones that i knew uh one of them actually and i'm not the only one that thought this i in my research i found that it actually uh the hitchhiker which was in 1960 about a woman who keeps seeing the same ghostly old man figure uh hitchhiking as she's driving at night sees him over and over and over again and uh, I think by the end she realizes that she is now, she's not alive, that she's dead. So this was the inspiration, uh, Herc, I think, s- said himself for Carnival of Souls. The other Twilight Zone that it reminds me of is called The After Hours, uh, about a woman who goes into a department store and she's trapped in there after closing hours, only to finally, the mannequins come to life and start talking to her. And they have a basically an intervention with her, saying, "You went away. 
you were given a day, you know, outside of the department store and you didn't come back. You're one of us. So it reminds me of that one, too, for some reason. No, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, and that's actually one of my favorite Twilight Zone Oh, so episodes. you know. I love yeah. that episode. And Frances, another blonde actress. She's terrific in it. So, yeah, yeah it's a it's a it's one of my favorite Twilight Zone episodes. It's, it's very memorable, and I like to think that um, it's only fair that you know, mannequins get... I believe that in the episode they're given one week apiece. So they have okay. to share. Okay, right. They have to share. And, and the, she's it, overstayed hers and cut into somebody and, else's time out. Yeah. Right, right. It, it was... um, So it's a very... um, Yeah. So, it, so you, if you're a fan of the Twilight Zone, you should definitely check out... It, this. Uh, it's very Twilight Zone-ish. It's, you know, shot in the 60s. It's black and white. And there's something haunting about it. I mean, she sees... It reminds me of the um, episode of The Twilight Zone. There's a scene in, where she's driving and she looks into the window and she sees the man outside the car mm-hmm. floating alongside of it. It reminds and, me of the William Shatner Twilight Zone where he's oh, sure. on the airplane. Yeah. He, he's yeah, the yeah, only yeah. one that sees the creature on the wing. Right. And it's funny, like it's interesting because when she sees that reflection in the car, before and after she sees her own reflection in the window. And then she looks and sees his face, I guess, outside the window. Right. Yeah. So, something that I know, I, I theorized is that I think the the and visually this movie for a first time filmmaker is amazing, especially given the limitations of the the early sixties and the budget and the budget that he had. But I think that. His his past in industrial and educational filmmaking, he knows where to put the camera to get the kind of effects that he wants to get. Because there are some shots in this that I, I could see as being out of place in an industrial or an educational video. You put the, the, the camera in the wrong place, you get this odd kind of triple reflection of a face right. or, or a in shadow. A sure. So I, my theory is that all these kind of happy accidents that probably happened on all these films where they were like, well, no, that doesn't work for this. I think he just kind of kept this this mental list in his head. And he's like, you know, down the line, I, I got to remember this, that if I put the camera here. It'll do that. Yeah, it'll do that. Yeah. And yeah, that makes total sense. It, it, do, it doesn't work if you're trying to teach kids nutrition in educational videos like, you know, like <laughs> right. how to play dodgeball or like right, right. something like that. Or an industrial video that, you know, that's made by companies to get investors or anything like that, you know. But in this in this uh, in this case, it does for this movie and that that scene. That moment where she does see her fa- face like tripled, basically in the reflection, is is very effective. Right, and uh, there's it's like her psychology is being split. And not only is he the director of this movie, he's actually that ghoulish figure. He is. Yes. Well, but, okay, so he's in the church at the beginning, in that cameo scene. The you're talking about Herc, right? Yes. So do you know what I'm talking about? He does have a cameo at the beginning. We talked about it uh, at the in the church because it's the picture that they use uh, in the Wikipedia. Yes. Him. Yep. But that he's also that ghoulish figure. Yeah. He's the one that's like underwater and everything. So something's up with that to have him in the church doing a little ca- Hitchcock, you know, cameo, and then to have him play that that ghoulish character later on. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I. I, I my theory, and again, I. 
unfortunately, there's no way of confirming this because the man has passed, but I, I'm guessing it was probably not only a budgetary limitation, but some of the, I mean, there are shots where this guy is just like laying down underwater and I could right. see certain people saying, you know what? I'm not getting paid enough to do this. Like yeah. he probably just <laughs> to save on money. He probably said, you know, the guy doesn't have any lines. He's just shown up to be menacing. They maybe did some makeup tests on him, and he probably said, well, this, this will work. Sure. I, I could do this. Sure. Um, but the imagery in this movie and the music, the music is all organ-based, mm-hmm. and we've got some... It's a mix of carnival organ mm-hmm. and church organ. Mm-hmm. And she gets fired from the church that she's working at because she slips in, in a trance mode... She slips into the, and she's only practicing by herself. She slips into that carnival organ music, and the priest happens to catch her. And he says, and he's like, blasphemy. Absolutely. You cannot work here if you're going to play that. No. So there's a couple things. The, and I think that the reason that this movie is so interesting is that there's, plot wise, there's not a lot that really happens. I mean, she's introduced to people. And things happen, but we don't know. It's pretty basic. What's what's real and what's not? Mm-hmm. And there, the, even even when she meets the stranger on the street who uh, who comforts her after she's seen the ghoulish figure, uh, he is a doctor, but he's not a psychiatrist. Even though subsequent scenes have her sitting at his desk, and he's he is basically playing psychiatrist to her. Um, and trying to give her some sort of um, almost fatherly, um, some psychoanalysis, but also some fatherly support. So the thing with Carnival of Souls is that afterwards, if you watch it alone, you're left with your own thoughts. I recommend watching this fresh with certain people and then having a discussion about what does this movie mean? What ac- What did we actually just see mm-hmm. and i have my theory Smoke a joint I, I can say that now it's be- becoming more and more legalized <laughs> go ahead sorry. it might well it might blow your mind if you do but yeah. um uh because it, it's it, it's kind of heavy because like i said she seems to be the only survivor and we talked about um survivor guilt right and actually I found out that this... Remember I mentioned Soul Survivor from 1984? Yes. It was the inspiration, at least my research told me, it was the inspiration for Soul Survivor in 1984. And uh, Final Destination in 2000, which is based on Soul Survivor of 1984. So it deals with um, when you're in an accident and you're the only one that survives, the guilt that goes along with that, and certain things that can happen to your mind, uh, i.e. hallucinations, maybe seeing dead people, I see dead people, uh, you know, as a result of this uh, psychosis, basically. And it's not just accidents, any traumatic events. Um, This happens, unfortunately, with um, survivors of school shootings, where you you might be next to a, a fellow student that that unfortunately didn't did not survive and survivor guilt is 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 something that you know it, it's it's trauma based you, you're and this car accident was the trauma that that brings on whatever this is is this the afterlife right i mean what right what, is what it is, some sort of parallel universe cuz in in the what? final scene of the movie she's seen in the car she didn't That's survive right. 
she she did not survive. That's right. So um, so even if she were alive and death took her back, I mean that's kind of stretching things. So she the best the best interpretation for all intents and purposes is that she is dead and everything that is happening is basically happening in another world. Sure, and this is my theory. Yeah, and you're. Uh, I urge everyone to come up with their own theory about what exactly we just saw, and I'm gonna I'm gonna offer my theory. Then we'll discuss some alternate theories because I think the most interesting aspect of Carnival of Souls is that it warrants such discussion. Yep. Whereas some other horror movies, everything at the end, you know exactly what has happened. You know. Well, that was a ghost, or that was the the killer has been captured, or the killer's been killed, or wh- whatever the case may be. Most most horror stories have a conclusive ending. This one is very ambiguous, mm-hmm. and I like an ambiguous ending, sure, because it warrants discussion. So my theory for Carnival of Souls, and th- this is um, again my my, I think that. This woman is in purgatory. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, sure, and I'm along. I'm on that train with you. So, and the other th- souls that she meets at the end seem to be in purgatory as well. Right, and we'll we'll get into why I said she's the lead and not the protagonist in a minute. But purgatory is kind of halfway between. If you believe in heaven and hell, purgatory is kind of uh, the in middle between. ground. You're 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 you know you weren't you weren't Hitler. But right. you weren't Mother Teresa. Right, right. Well, so we, we you, you didn't do a good, enough good deeds to earn your way into heaven. Well, in this, in, this is co- further supported by her disconnect from religion, even though she works in churches. Right. She doesn't see, and there's, it's repeatedly said, you know, give your soul to the music of the church, and she won't do it. So, and it's not just with that. It's, it's, there's a disconnect with her in general, with people. And I will um, support my thesis here of purgatory. Okay. okay. The drag race scene does not happen late at night, does not happen early in the morning. This seems to be like right after lunch. <laughs> afternoon drag racing, if you will. <laughs> and the car that she's in goes off the bridge. And she dies. Now, in purgatory, I think that she is reliving the the last... 24 hours of her life mm. in a cycle. Mm, like a Groundhog Day type right. of thing. But she died halfway through this day. And this is... Because what the rest of the day would have been like. What would the rest of the day been like? But the reason that every time that she gets this, this feeling where she kind of becomes this ghost. There's a watery effect on the screen. Right. Which And water it, is a huge uh, character in and of itself in this movie, just like in Suspiria, what, which we covered last week. So I think that she's reliving 24 hours in her life. And then what happens is that at the same time, each day, she dies at the same time, hence the water, because there's twice... Twice in the movie, we see this watery effect happen, and then all of a sudden, no one can see her, no one can hear her. And she can't hear them. No. She can see them, but she can't hear them. But she can't hear them. I like this. This is good. I I think this is what's happening, is that she's reliving 24 hours in her life, and she doesn't know it. And at the same time of day... 
at the same time of day because it's... She goes into that other world. Because the first time it happened, she's in a department store. Right. And then all of a sudden she goes into the dressing room. She's talking to a sales clerk, goes into the dressing room. Then what she's... She undresses, puts back on her clothes. Then right before she leaves the dressing room, this watery effect happens on the screen. And so indicating that this is the time of day where she had died died, died in the water in the car yeah and then the re- like for the next couple hours she's she's dead and she's dead to she's kind of like she's dead, dead to, to the, everybody dead to so the world. it's probably actually less than 24 hours it's probably it will probably we'll shave off the time for sleeping it's probably kind of like a a 16 hour cycle okay i don't know the uh, if you if you, if anyone out there knows how purgatory works time wise, please uh, uh, send us in your uh, yes. This is how purgatory works. You clock in, you clock out. But so I love I, this though. This is a really good uh, concept that you came up with. A really good theory. Well, I I mean because this movie on on certain you and, and again pardon the bad pun given all the the drowning deaths in it. But um, on surface level, this movie. It could just be a psychological thing, and you're welcome to say, "Well, she was this." I mean, is this the she reliving the last moments of her life, or I I choose to think that it's purgatory because we see multiple days of this happening, and I guess, and then similarly, I can't help but think of Beetlejuice with. People not knowing initially that they're dead. The two leads, Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis, initially don't even know that they didn't survive. And now that I think about it, the comparisons to Beetlejuice and Carnival of Souls are go deeper than I thought. Do you remember how the couple in Beetlejuice dies? They Is go a off a accident? they go That's off right. a bridge That's into right. the water. That's right. It's got to be, dude. It's, it's got to be. Yeah. It's yeah. Gotta be. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I got to throw in real quick also the the that landscape when they go into the model of uh, Beetlejuice and what uh, Beetlejuice Beetlejuice takes them to uh, this world that hell, it looks like hell basically, and it reminds me of the Beyond. I think that's a Fulci movie. I could yes, be wrong. It is. Okay, yep. and I mentioned that as well. Like there are moments in. Uh, especially that barren landscape where that structure is in Carnival of Souls makes me think of that landscape. Sure. That hellish, barren landscape. And they need to be told that they're dead. And there's kind of like a reception area in Purgatory uh, in Beetlejuice where, you know. A receptionist. She's every, the one that tells them. She tells them that, like, <laughs> th- this is your this is your afterlife. That's their afterlife. Uh, um, and there's a very funny scene where um, this bus full of dead football players show up. <laughs> And they don't know that they're dead. And then they're looking around going, well, where's the coach? And uh, the lady looks looks at the the dead football players and goes, he survived the crash. <laughs> so, I, I mean, it's it's kind of like the comedic, it's kind of the comedic version. So I'm, I'm thinking that this movie, yeah, this movie is more influential than I even, because the Beetlejuice yeah. thing just came to me. But yeah, yeah the way that the they die and Beetlejuice is the same way that she dies in Carnival of Souls. You know, it's 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 interesting, and I want to throw Hitchcock into this uh, discussion too. Um, when do you know when Psycho came out? Would it have also been nineteen sixty, like those Twilight Zones? 
Uh, go ahead and look it up if 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 you don't mind, mm-hmm. because I want to say that even he might have been influenced by this movie because her character is a very Ice Queen prototype, and it was after Carnival of Souls that uh, this nineteen sixty two years prior. 1960, another 1960, what I would call an influence. Uh, So there is the Janet Leigh prototype and, of course, Grace Kelly and all of that. But when Hitchcock discovered uh, Tippi Hedren and turned her into a movie star with The Birds, he also made a movie called Marnie about literally a blonde woman who is basically an ice queen archetype who cannot connect who cannot connect with others, cannot even really connect with herself. And there's early trauma that's gone into. But that's very much the case with this this woman, the lead in uh, in Carnival of Souls. Right. So can, can we have the actress's name? It's um Well, I just while while you look that up, I'm I just want to say so for me uh, her name was Candace Hillegoss. 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 Candace Hillegoss. And she started out as a model, yep. which you could see, but she's uh, she, you said she also did stage work. She, she studied acting, and when I say she studied acting, she was very serious about it. She studied with Strasberg and did do a lot of theater. Um, she did not do much film work after Carnival of Souls at all. Uh, but she, she was, she was an actress with chops, and you can tell in the movie she's good. She goes from being disconnected to being hysterical, yes, back and forth, and she's very convincing throughout. And she's also, she's got to, she's got to do something that. You know, some actors and actresses can and cannot do, which is just act with your face, your eyes. Right, like a silent because, movie. Because actress. a lot of the scenes where she is it, just her alone, if you think about it. Yeah. We got a, her alone in the car, her alone seeing visions in her room. Mm-hmm. So she's got a. And she's not mugging. No, it's, it's all in it's, her eyes, and it's, it's quite, and it's not overdone. Yes. It's real. She's experiencing what we're seeing. So I think that she ends up in purgatory, because like we said, we were joking earlier. She's not because the way that she's so disconnected from religion um yep. would 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 warrant her not entering heaven right so to speak if you right. if you buy into that but she is not a a bad person or an evil person therefore she doesn't belong in hell right so where do you go are and do you end up You're in, in the, the in between because they say heaven is paradise and hell is you know the worst thing, internal damnation. Yeah, right. So uh, there's got to be some middle ground, right? Right, right. Well, the undecided. The undecided. <laughs> the undecided. <you> know. <laughs> so for me, I think the way that it's it's structured, it's made explicitly clear that, yes, she is a, a professional organist and she's hired by a church, but she is not a religious person. Right. She sees it solely as a job. Right. Now, you also said that one of the ghouls at the end uh, is her friend in the car at the beginning. I think so. It, lo- it definitely looks like her. Okay, so it could be. But, All right. The, uh, but the thing is, we see very we see the one main guy, played by the director. Yeah, he shows up numerous times. Yeah. And then we see other people. We see a bus full of the undead, yeah. or the dead, as it would be. I guess it would be the dead. That's right, and she she's able to escape that greyhound. And then we also see them dancing. And, did you know, there was actually a good amount of footage of them coming out of the saltwater flats, the water, and walking towards the structure. This structure does have a name. It's called the Saltaire Pavilion. Uh, which which 
burned down in 1970, was re rebuilt in 1981, and then Panic at the Disco performed there in 2005, just for uh, a little trivia there. But anyway, the, there is apparently quite a bit of footage that was not used because it was overexposed of the ghouls walking towards, at the end, walking towards this structure before they start dancing in the ballroom. Wouldn't you just die to see that? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. The whole, yes, we get, to, it, first of all, this, this, the sets here are, are just spot on. Yeah, along with the camera work and the, and the, and the shots. Especially this, this rundown amusement park. Yes. This haunted, I guess, haunted amusement park. Mm-hmm. And Which we, they say in the movie, it used to be a bathhouse and then it was a dance hall. Yes. Reminiscent of The Shining, actually. Yeah. Uh, and then it became a carnival and then it was abandoned. And so she's, it's the abandoned structure that she's walking through. And it looks like the Taj Mahal. You you noted that yourself. It does. It's got a very in, uh, Indian just kind of look to some of the mm -hmm. architecture here. Mm -hmm. But yes, I was reminded of The Shining as well because of the ballroom scene. So Cooper could have even been influenced. Oh, by I'm this. sure he yeah, was. I mean, geez, I, I'm sure all he these was. directors, you know, where you see this stuff, you know, and this movie was not a success. No. So it's like, you know, it's so interesting to think of it being an influence to these other directors. Uh, yeah. It seems like the kind of movie that you would see either in film school or it's, um, it's, it, it's a film for filmmakers. Yeah. More so than it is a film for a mainstream audience. Yep. Which we, we see a lot on this show. Unless it, we yeah. see a lot in our personal... You and I, personally, the kind of movies that we are drawn to. Yeah. We're drawn more to these smaller type movies that are a little bit more intimate, a little bit more uh, out there. Yeah. A little bit stranger. Yeah. Which Carnival of Souls definitely is. Absolutely. Because there is no body count. As far as like killing goes, there isn't. I mean, we have people that die in a car accident, so That's it's, it. it's it's there's no there's no killer here, right? Other than just like what happens every day. Unfortunately, people get into car accidents on a daily basis. Yep. I've been in car accidents. Yep. You've been in car accidents. Yep. Those of you listening, if you haven't been in a car accident, you know someone personally very close to you that has. That's right. And unfortunately, sometimes these accidents we don't survive. Right, and even if we do survive, we do deal with the aftermath of it in one so, way or another. it could be also, I mean, my theory that she is in purgatory, it could also be she is slowly, and this is another alternate theory that I have, is that she's slowly dealing with this trauma by, by, because she, she interacts with the doctor, about talking about what's going on with her. And I guess another theory could be is that she's slowly coming to terms with the fact that she's dying. Maybe she had some sort of injury in the car accident. And over the course of... Because this movie takes place over the course of probably a week. Yeah. Um, she Maybe slowly dies of the injuries. Well, I mean, she's drowning. So you can only breathe. for You can't breathe. So I, I think it would be pretty quick. So yeah, yeah. But, uh, but, but let me let me well, go ahead. No, no. no uh, uh, just the 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 characters that were were introduced to though, like the doctor character, the sleazy neighbor, 
I just wonder if they're archetypes because there's no trying med- to help her uh, trying to help her accept that she is dying and de- I mean you know it could we could be dealing with you know two minutes underwater drowning being stretched out into a week worth you know sure. we could be dealing with that kind of time bending going on here and these characters are actually figures to help her accept her death I like this tagline of, you know, she escaped death and now it wants her back. I kind of like the idea of her being in a tug of war with death. Is she going to be alive or is she going to be, you know, if she is able to conquer uh, somehow these uh, these other otherworldly reveries that she's being subjected to, if she's able to conquer that and move on with her life and keep her job and keep her place and have an affair with this, or have a relationship with this sleazy guy, would they find her body at the end of the movie? Would it be there, or would it not? So, you know, yeah. You know, we're, we're now taking things into a very... Uh, a philosophical yeah. dimension, because yeah. now that you just said that, I'm wondering that if this this purgatory, this middle ground, um, to determine whether or not you go to heaven or hell, you're kind of, you're given this trial period where you, you re-enter your life but there's going to be people that are um, in there that will draw you to one way or another. Because oh, that's fascinating. I'm so, loving this. This is great. So <laughs> she she dies in the car accident, but in purgatory, they said it's kind of like a waiting room. Yeah. You go one way or the other. Yeah. Or you a take, second chance. Yeah. Yeah. You get the stairway to heaven. Yeah. Or the highway to hell. Yeah. Which should say something drastically about the numbers going in each direction. How, what do you mean? How's well, that? how many people can go up a stairway one at a time, pretty much, or maybe two at a time? A highway, that's multi-lanes. We've got thousands of people going to hell. The easy, <laughs> the easiest route. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's much easier to do the, the bad thing. most traveled. So she dies, goes to purgatory. So they, she, but she, unbeknownst to her, she's put back in, she's put back temporarily. She's got like a week or a couple days to establish which way she's going to go. She goes, she she's she's going to her job at a church. You stay with this job. Maybe you embrace religion. You're going to heaven. She's given this opportunity. And then we're introduced to the devil on the shoulder, the sleazy neighbor who drinks, smokes, is a womanizer. I mean, yes. So Yes, go on. I'm just thinking that she's given these two opportunities. and One goes one way and the right. other goes the other way. And she doesn't, and there is a, once again, there is a push-pull with her and the sleazy neighbor. And when we say neighbor, she he's living in the same house. She's renting a room. Yes. Uh, so And so is he. And uh, so there's a push-pull with her and him. Yes. Where she resists him. She's like, ugh, get out of my room. And then the next morning he comes with coffee. She's like, come on in. And she does, and then she goes out on a date with him after she gets fired, and she doesn't tell him she gets fired. She and so there's there is there there are possibilities in her character to to basically be um, to basically sleep with him and to basically be uh, one of his one of his exploits. Is that is that a is, is that the right term? another notch in his belt? Another notch in his belt. Yeah, which makes you wonder how you know forgive the term loose. She might be. I mean, she is in a drag race with these people at the beginning of the movie. So what but kind she, of what kind of woman is she? We don't really see what kind of woman she is 
before the accident because no. the movie starts right away with the accident. But the look on her face, again, going back to her expressive look on her face, is a look of... Un- she, she looks vis- visibly uncomfortable yes. in this situation. Yeah, like, why why am I here? Why Hence, am I hanging out with these so, ne'er-do-wells? The, so the people, the other people in the car maybe were a little bit more gung-ho about it, and their, their final destination was already determined. The other three in the car. You know, they did something else in this previous life that warranted either going to heaven or to hell. But she is she is the one in the car that's kind of like, well, it could go either way. Right. And arguments could be made on either direction. Yeah. Hence this trial period back on Earth. Yeah, it's basically the essence of her character. It really is. You're right. So and I, I didn't think of this. I'm just thinking of it now. Yeah, so what you're listening on. to is just These are us. fresh thoughts, dude. Um, Sponta- spontaneous. But it just it seems very clear to me, though, because if she's like I said, she's not a woman of the church, but she's given an opportunity for a job at a church, which would be the good. And she's good at playing the organ. She is. She's good at playing this church music. But if she could only kind of d- disconnect from being drawn because we're all drawn to something that maybe we shouldn't be in in life mm-hmm. whether it be a, a bad habit you know people have various addictions to drugs alcohol yes to sex to gambling all yes. these sorts of things so there's all these temptations out there and we've kind of got this beacon this carnival this rundown carnival that she is drawn to but she doesn't know why which is kind of like you know what you what you is anything that we're drawn to and, and she's we need to we need to either explore it or say no that's not for me mm-hmm. some people and she wants to explore it she, she tells wants the to explore she wants to explore it she tells the and doctor he, she wants to explore yes. both of these are kind of like father figures too right and they're bo- and the priest says no i cannot right he takes her to a certain point which i think that any sort of says yes that is out there but there's there's no reason to go there. Right. It's like being at the door to a brothel, right. and just being like, "Well, here's the brothel. You can go inside, and you know, you're on your own. Yeah. If you do, or if you go into a drug house, you know, you can walk up to the door, and you're safe. The minute that you enter that door, you're you're in for a world of trouble. You're in for that world of temptation. And you made the choice. Yeah. And hence, she. We don't see her give into her desires to be with the the neighbor or anything like that, but she does decide to explore the carnival. She's drawn to it, and she can't help but be drawn to it, mm-hmm. even though she's told by the priest there's no reason to go there, by the doctor it wouldn't help, or if you do, don't go alone. Yep. Um, she goes alone. So, yeah, and I think the reason that she finally, is, she finally gives in to the carnival, hence the final scene that she's dead and she's kind of she's running from death this whole time and she does run from the ghouls until she falls and they surround her and, and that's a very disturbing moment where they're all uh they're all closing in on her and right. we see it from her perspective and you know her final fate is decided but yeah. we don't we don't know i mean the, the ghouls seem menacing but we only see the ghouls initially. Like we only see a whole bunch of them in the in in the carnival. So I I, I don't know. Did she end up? Where did she end up? Or did she end? Does she end up back in purgatory? And she's just 
in this endless cycle. Oof. I don't know. There's so much. Yeah. I mean, do you have any, um, any, um, you did some research here. Oh, I did. I did. I did. Let's, uh, let's shift gears a little bit. Um, do, 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 do. So she actually wrote a sequel to Carnival of Souls herself, the actress, and it was never produced. And she was asked to be in the uh, Inferior remake, and she refused, basically basically saying, you know, why didn't you do my sequel instead? Mm-hmm. I think it's a good idea to have done a sequel to it w- with her. Why not? Well, where, where do you go with it? I guess we could finally get the answer to where she ends up. We could. It'd be interesting to read that. I wonder yeah. how to get your bits on something like we that. We say Inferior just because uh, we read a plot synopsis, and it sounds really like your typical cash grab 90s kind of horror movie i think they well, li- i think there's straight- literally a carnival like an evil carnival yeah and it went straight to video so yeah. you know there it you didn't go. make any money both movies didn't make money both uh-huh. the original and the uh... so those those ghouls actually were from the university of uh utah in salt lake city um they were students at the university interesting working okay on this. yep uh it was filmed in three weeks well, yeah, you only got a certain amount of money. Yeah, I mean, this was guerrilla filmmaking. I mean, he it was, was. Yeah, he paid off the the store clerk in the department store to not say that they were filming right. before he got permission. To then he got permission from the department store afterwards, uh, but they filmed already. Uh, it's interesting that the original cut was eighty four minutes, cut down to seventy five minutes for drive in audiences. Okay. I guess. Um, and it, then on YouTube, I saw there was a a length of it that was an hour and twenty two minutes. What? Wh- how long was ours? Can you look? Mm-hmm. Our version was seventy seven minutes. Well, okay, so maybe it had the extra footage. That no, seventy-seven minutes was close to the original seven, not the original uh, to the cut down seventy-five minutes. So we may nev- never see that added footage. Um, no, unfortunately, like nine uh, minutes. The, the way stuff is preserved is not the same way that it was. So um, too bad. Uh, but this movie, I mean, it just offers up so many uh, philosophical questions about yeah. what happens. You know, what does happen when you die? Yeah, yeah. Now the uh, the actor that played the sleazy neighbor. Um, he ended up being a, a, a drama teacher, actually, uh, in university, and he had one glass eye. So that scene where he's spying, he's creeping on her through the door crack, it's his glass eye watching her. And P- and fans of the movie would say to him, like, oh, you know, was that fun to, you know, was that fun to, to film? Like, you look so lustful in that. And it, but he, he couldn't see anything. It was his glass eye. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the the movie is creepy, and it, it 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 just creates this atmosphere. And again, the visuals, it, it it's just a guy, and it, for only having three weeks, and not having the ability to probably storyboard or you know pre production planning and all that kind of stuff, guerrilla filmmaking, to get the quality of movie that he got is just. Uh, someone that knows where to put the camera to achieve certain effects, like in, in the car. There's so many interesting visual cues here. Um, beautiful long shots, you know, close up, slow panning, overhead shots, 
and beautiful sets that are really brought to life with the music. And the, and the music, the organ music, is hypnotic at times. Mm -hmm. And then it's chaotic mm -hmm. when it needs to be, which is which is, should be the goal of anyone that's scoring a, a, the music. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, again, there's not much to discuss plot-wise. It's just the meaning behind the movie, which is... is you know, which is what we're trying to discuss here, because there's there's this different ways to interpret it, whether it be what we came up with or, you know, other people's theories, if that she was able to escape hell at some point you have to. Or if you escape death, eventually your number has to come Um I mean, you brought up Final Destination. I'm just thinking all those movies are kind of like, well, death has a list. Death, ha death has a plan. Your your number, when your when your time has come, regardless of the situation, it maybe she wasn't, maybe she wasn't supposed to die in that car accident, but she was supposed to die a couple days later. It was already planned by death. Like her time, it's almost. It reminds me. And I, you're going to hate this because you're not a Nicolas Cage fan. But there's a movie called Drive Angry about a man that escapes from hell to save his daughter. But the accountant for hell, which keeps the books, which keeps the numbers, the tally of the bodies in hell, comes after him. So, I mean, that's the thing when we, we theorize about survivor guilt well why them and not me and you know are we do we have the the opportunity after we go to philosophize about where where our life went wrong yeah like, do what we get to have any hindsight yeah. yeah do we get to look in the rear view mirror and you know appreciate what what we had and what we lost yeah good question uh, let me keep going with trivia. Please. Because it's interesting. Um, uh, Candace also... Oh, check this out. Candace was a dancer at the Copacabana for a while. At the Copa. <laughs> yeah, she was one of the Copa girls. Copacabana. Mm -hmm. In Havana? Uh, I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> well, I don't know where the Copacabana was, to tell you the truth. Uh, but yeah, so she was she was a dancer as well, you know. Very interesting woman. I would. I think she's still alive. I don't see a death on her IMDb, so it'd be fun to. It'd be fun to talk to her. It would have been fun to get her onto this episode, actually. Uh, but anyway, coulda, 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 woulda, shoulda. So, so yeah, yeah. I, and I'm just looking here in in these notes. I I was I was right. He employed techniques he had learned on his work in industrial films, um, to 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 utilize in this to um especially in the driving scenes um because they would use a rear projection for driving scenes and they just didn't have the budget for it for this movie so he just kind of employed effects that he had had you know learned sometimes you just gotta you learn from your mistakes and i'm sure that there were mistakes made in those industrial and educational films that he just utilized here so i mean this is probably one of the deepest now in hindsight one of the deepest horror movies 
I think, because it, it's just the whole nature of... The layers go on and on and on. I mean, I mean, Suspiria was extremely... Uh, had a lot of depth to it as well, and many, many layers. Uh, but this pretty much, you know, has has almost as many layers as Suspiria, in my opinion. Uh, it, you can go on and on and on with it, uh, which is a sign of a good piece of cinema. Right. Okay. I mean, if there's... Yeah. If, so what's your personal... I threw out a couple theories. What do you think? I don't know, and I like to leave it as being ambiguous. But the one that the one that probably makes the most sense uh, to me is that she is dead, and that she's going through all of this. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if the <laughs> other characters would have said uh, what happened to that woman that came to this town and worked as an organist and then disappeared. Oh. She was actually dead. There's actually another Twilight Zone like that. There's a Twilight Zone about a famous movie star who comes back to her hometown um, to see everyone. She doesn't, you know, she's, she, when, when she left her hometown, she said, good riddance, I never want to see you guys again. She does come back um, because she's on tour or she's on a, a flight that has a layover there. Um, so she meets all these people from her past and uh, reconnects with them. And then at the end of the episode, you find out that she, that plane crashed and she was dead, and so she, she was she. It was her ghost, basically, that all these characters uh, reconnected with. Wow. Yeah. Because yeah. now I'm thinking, if she, yeah. So where, like, what did these? Yeah. You, what, that, what maybe these, that's what the sequel would be like. The, you know, the the, the other after, characters. The aftermath. I'm just trying to think. Like, what does the doctor think about? Did, so was he treating a ghost this whole time? Right. Was this guy hitting on a ghost? Right. Or I guess now I'm leading. So now I'm thinking that I don't think she's in purgatory. I'm, I'm leading more now more towards my second theory that I just kind of rambled on about. I, I don't think it's purgatory. I think that she was given this trial period. Because that to me makes sense. Because so then there's the tug of war between life and the afterlife. Right, and I, I you know, and she escaped death, but now it wants her back. I just love that. Yeah, uh, that that she was given this trial period, and she was given two paths to discover, to stick with, and wow, I don't know. This <laughs> it's I it never has. On an episode, have I been so tongue-tied yeah, and, and now and have a headache trying <laughs> to think of the numerous... It's... Wow. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the... Now, another movie that this reminds me of is The End of the Shining, where Jack Torrance, played by Jack Nicholson, is told that he's always been the caretaker here. Yeah, and you see it in that final shot yeah, in the that picture. Yeah, he, he was there on the 4th of July back in the 30s. Yeah. Wow. So exactly. So the, so it do, this is this is some good good mind fucking here. Pardon the expression. Kind of like what is what's the deal? What's the deal? And I'm you know this is this is what philosophers. This is like what Proust it's, wrote about. Right. It's, you know stuff like this. This is yeah. This is this. Now I'm thinking of of Sartre. Okay. Yeah. Very existential kind there of movie. Go. There we go. This is like the ultimate existential now, movie. Now we're getting into something. Yeah, yeah, and and then you could you could all say that. Well, what if this is all a, a dream? A, somebody else is 
this is just a dream within a dream. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's that's knocked around a lot with people that I know. This life is actually a simulation. Right. And, and I love Westworld. Westworld uh, caters to that idea, that concept. So, yeah. Wow. So another piece of trivia. This is very interesting. The writer John Clifford... Uh, actually worked with Ad- Angelo Badalamente, who scored many David Lynch movies, uh, including Twin Peaks. Uh, he he They collaborated on at least three songs that were recorded by Nina Simone. And he did it with an alternate pen name uh, that I forget. Uh, the first name is Andy, which is my name, so the, I remember that. Oh, it's, I think I want to... Uh, Badella. Badella, okay. I think he just kind of like took off the... Lamonte part. Oh, that's, like a, that's funny. Okay. Just like a, at Ellis Island that would shorten your name. You'd be like... Oh, right. Yeah, you, you, yeah. my name was... A, Let's take off uh, the ethnicity yeah, aspect Just of take it. off the Stein part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so these three songs were called Another Spring, He Ain't Coming Home No More, and I Hold a Grudge. We listened to one or two of them. They were great. Good yeah. songs. Uh, so check it out, folks. Yeah, John Clifford... The, the, the writer of this uh, wrote some beautiful lyrics. Nina Simone has the voice of an angel. Um, and Tortured an- angel. Oh, well, unfortunately, yeah. That reminds me of... Um, oh, we're just, well, I would go off on a tangent here about singers that are tortured. But, um, but And then Angelo Badalamonte. And yeah. um, this reminds me of a discussion that I just had. If you've listened to my, my Twin Peaks episode, is about... Whether or not Agent Cooper was in Twin Peaks the entire time. Another another nebulous type of uh, factor. And then again, yeah. Lost Highway, which is... Very much walks the ground between realism and surrealism. Right. Uh-huh. We've got characters uh-huh. that are dying, and then their doppelganger appears. Uh-huh. So Did, this really is a surrealist piece of work. It is. It, uh, Carnival of Souls. I, 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 I think it's... It, and we kind of coined this term on our Twin Peaks episode. It's kind of a, a surprise horror movie because it's not so much what you see. It's the psychological effects that the movie will have on you. Because now I've never had a movie that I think that I've thought so deeply about. And just un- like there's so many theories that emerge from just having these discussions. And just on this podcast, I- I'm sticking with the theory that I I was like hardbound set in stone that this woman's in purgatory and she's reliving a couple hours of her life over and over again and now I'm leaning more towards no she died and this movie is kind of her trial period it's kind of like a like a court case mm-hmm. you know well guilty uh, or I, innocent I, right and I think of uh, defending your life with Albert Brooks and Meryl Streep that's very much what that movie is about you see, they do they sit in court they sit in front of a jury right. and they, they they show on a screen on a movie screen moments of your life that will de- determine you know where you go right and and I think yeah and, but instead of having moments of her life she's kind of given this 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 period of time where temptation is thrown in her way in both directions yep the good because the priest is encouraging her yeah after he fires her he says don't turn your back on us please you know and she's given a warning that it takes more than just talent to be... you got to put your soul, soul. into it. And That's she's right. told this after the accident. Yes. 
So she's kind of given this like right before. And so I but think she doesn't want to do it. No, I think she wants. She basically wants, and even with the neighbor, like she's basically just sitting on the fence, sitting on the fence, sitting on the fence. And she's only given so much time. And I think that that's now you know you got to put your soul into it. He's telling her, he's kind of he's saying that you know I can't tell you what to do, but the next and she doesn't know, but the next couple of days are going to determine your. Your soul, yeah. your afterlife. You know, and it's like, okay, so the Carnival of Souls on a literal basis is the the people dancing in the dance hall in the uh, pavilion. But I mean, seriously, it's almost like a Carnival of Souls that she's experiencing throughout the course of this movie. Right. In the people that she meets. Uh, and the different the different tendencies of these souls, where, they're, where their tendencies lie. Whether it's towards what we would consider good or whether it's towards what we would consider not good right yeah yeah i mean that's kind of the case yeah you know i have a headache now <laughs> how are we doing for time we're we're do actually do work we're, we're rapidly taking we're rapidly closing in on the running time of the movie okay so let's try to wrap things up so visually there's plenty here uh especially towards the end if you're for just a, a horror fan, but I think to me that this movie is so much deeper than I, I gave it credit for, and I already thought it was a pretty deep movie, but I can see where someone like Lynch would would watch and rewatch this movie and would become obsessive about it because sure. I I think I'm going to become obsessive about it because there's. <laughs> well. I, I mean, I'm seeing here in my notes that there's actually a director's cut that Criterion released on DVD that's uh, 83 minutes. So if you're really obsessed, you can try and seek that out and see if the extra footage lends any more insight. But similar... There's like three different versions here with different cuts. Something like this, though. I think that I'm going to take the Lynch route here. You don't have to decide. Which means which means that, that sit, I don't. No, the lynch ambiv- ambivalence. No, the lynch route is that everyone is going to come away from this and it, from having a different theory about it. Mm. And I think that's the brilliance of this movie, mm-hmm. where where someone like and we talked about this again. Check out my Twin Peaks episode. There's hopefully more Twin Peaks to come. Andrew's going to join us for some of that journey, but Lynch doesn't do director's commentaries when asked in interviews about his movies to explain them. He never does. Mm. Frequent collaborators, particularly Kyle MacLachlan, says, I don't pretend to understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's an experience. And, right. and some directors love to talk about their craft and all that kind of stuff. But I think that someone that's, I, I would consider Lynch, just more than a director, just as an artist, he wants... His work yes. just to speak for wh- itself. Whatever you take away from it, that's for you. Yeah. And he doesn't want to sully that idea. He doesn't want to shift your opinion one way or another. Right. And I can say that honestly, in hindsight, that sometimes my opinions do get shifted about a movie because had I watched Carnival of Souls and there was some sort of commentary, I would have watched it. And I'm sure that my opinions and my theories about it would have been influenced by sure. it. So this is just much... This is probably one of the purest cinematic experiences that I've had in a long time. 
You know, when uh, when Mulholland Drive came out, uh, it came out around the same time as Donnie Darko. And both of those websites were extremely confusing to navigate. And so if you went to the websites thinking you would get more clarification about these movies, what you got was the opposite. It would actually confuse you even more. Right. And I, I think... I think that this is just a movie that had it had a website. Can you imagine? I wonder what you know that would. Oh, have it would been, like. have been ruined. Well, no, I'm saying it could have been it could have followed the along the lines of what I was just talking about, where it would lead you more into this path of ambivalence and undecisiveness. Yeah, you know. But I if think they, if if the director had worked on the website, yeah. I I don't even know what to say anymore about this movie <laughs> because it's. That means we're done. It's such it's such an existential experience now trying to decipher this movie. And I love it because I don't think that I've I've like I said, I don't think I've had such a Doesn't pure... racer head do that to you? I mean I have no idea what a racer head is about. Well that that's a whole nother episode that eventually <laughs> we're gonna have to get into because I I mean mm, Carnival of Souls. I I just it's 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 going to stay with me for so long, and that is the sign of a of just a brilliant movie. And maybe you'll dream about it, and your dreams will unfold something, <sighs> new revelations. I I just don't know. I I. It's a dream. I, I you could do a master's thesis on the philosophy of, of Carnival of Souls, and I, I, mean, I, I and I'm not saying that to be a joke. I'm saying that seriously. The like the the amount of depth that you could go into with this movie is astounding. Yeah, it's a dreamscape. Just this is one of those movies that is basically uh, a dream state and a dreamscape. Uh, we talked, we touched upon this with Suspiria as well. It it, it has dream logic. Uh, so you know, and it's when also, you're doing that, you don't you don't you're not really interested in the practicals. And it's also kind of a cautionary tale, if you think about it, of, yeah. of the choices that you make on a daily basis. Yeah. Do you and, do you and go- your indecisiveness and sitting on the fence? Yes. What does that do for you when you don't really get involved with life? She's right. not really getting involved with She's life. She's not. She says that she has no interest in like she has. I guess you could describe her as asexual. She's just not. She doesn't seem to be driven like she's. She's just so disconnected from people as a whole and, and life herself, as a whole, and from herself. It's it's she's just a very practical person, mm-hmm. and she says that over and over. Again. Yes. Wow. Yeah, man. Uh, we need to have like I would. My dream podcast would be to revisit this movie with. Um, Let's get her. Let's find well, her. Find her. But I'm just thinking, get uh like a religious. I don't want to say fanatic, but someone that just studies different religions uh-huh. and a philosopher ah. to watch this movie. An existentialist and a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining us. I would love nothing, it, more so than I think any other episode, that this movie has been open to so much different interpretation that I... I urge you all hopefully you've watched the movie by now rewatch it 
and and tell us what you think because there's so the and another thing about this movie um I, I'm glad that there's there's no one this movie is safe to say that no matter what you think about it no one's going to tell you that you're right or wrong <laughs> and and that's that's brilliant because I've seen directors call out people who say that no they've missed the whole point of their movie and I I I don't like when pe- I don't like when directors do that um but that's just a personal gripe of mine We've got some more conventional horror coming you, up. You know, you know, and just just to piggyback that in the movie Chicago, there's a there's a final scene that was not in the original stage production nor the original play, where uh, Roxy and Velma uh, decide to team up together. And so, since that movie is basically uh, the musical numbers are all within Roxy's head, it's uh, it there is debate as to whether or not the final scene with them performing together is also in Roxy's head. And I, I learned this through the commentary, actually. So so that kind of ambivalence uh, should be promoted, you know, I think, in movie watching, because you, as the viewer, are having your own experience. And it should be something that is yours. Yes. I have a friend that would say that, and they'll give opinions, you know, it's good, it's bad. Well, it's there, and it exists, so it's not really for you to judge it. It's for you to be in, uh, to be, to have an experience, and to have that ex- experience influence you in one way or another, or to make you think. I guess is a better way of putting it. Oh, I have a question for you. I'm going to ask you after the uh, after we're done with the episode. Um, okay. But, um. Also, so hit us up with your theories about what's going on with Carnival of Souls. We've mentioned a couple movies that were were clearly, and a couple directors that were clearly influenced by this. Um, I'd love to hear more that people say, like, the Beetlejuice thing just came to me, and the fact that the death scenes are so remarkably similar. Um, yeah. Wow. Um, my mind has been uh, blown in a good way. Yeah. It, for the first time in a long time. So thank you, Carnival of Souls. I, I, I love you as a movie. Um, <laughs> you've given me a headache, but a beautiful <laughs> headache that it's going to take me days to unwind. Andrew, final thoughts on Carnival of Souls? Uh, just thank you, Chris, for you know having this podcast and having me on board. And thank you, listeners, for listening to us. It means everything to us. Like We're truly... Uh, grateful we are yeah and thank you for listening to our our rambling phil probably one of the the deepest philosophical movies that i it, that i've seen in a long time so um we'll be back with something more maybe a little bit more conventional right maybe a little bit more easy to digest for me because my 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 brain's kind of what's what's up next are we doing I think that would be a good palate cleanser. Yeah, I think so snake, too. A snake man is something that I need right now. Isn't so. it? Isn't it also in black and white though? No, it's color. Do? Oh, it is. It's okay. in glorious right. Technicolor. Terrific. So, uh, yeah, we'll be back with. That is the title of the movie, folks. Yeah, imagine go- imagine going up to the ticket window and having to order a ticket for that. Like, <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> and we need to count how many s's that is. I think it's five. <laughs> so it's. St- <laughs> <laughs> they just synced. You probably just synced. <laughs> the people at the box office are probably like, "We, you want to see the Snake Man movie? We got it." 
All right, Snake Man movie coming up. Thank you all again.